volume 18 of the funk show first time bringing a proper tps session to balami radio with an absolutely massive guest joining me today i'll be carrying you through the next two hours with the finest funk music from around the world and a very special guest mix and interview you'll be finding out who that is shortly keep it locked Anyone I know. You. And will you give me warning? I'm giving you warning. <laughs> will you kill me with, with kindness? No. Oh man, it's gonna blow. Start off your pitch with a bang. Cloudbug album. This one's titled Witch Doctor. Got to revert back to that opening track. Absolutely massive. Two French producers, Got No Time and Cheesy Cut. That one was Walking the Spot. Gonna 
keep the chat relatively minimum today, but you can find all the track lists on my SoundCloud after the show. How did you dispose of their bodies? The bodies are still here. But the police searched the house. I know, I watched them. Very efficient. But this man is just amusing himself. He's an insane fanatic.
up on the show that last one pepper bump behind us right now jared jackson the soul action crew
brother Laps up in Leicester. This one's the same thing.
bitches for him and her like Roseanne. Cause the shit go down and you get wet. Should've known, put your life in the whole hands. If you won't be, us right now this and the previous two exclusives from the last show's guest silver the show's going so fast I suppose it's time to reveal this week's guest sky runs one of the biggest funk platforms there's ever been potentially ever will be nearly 600,000 subscribers on youtube alone record label owner funk overlord joining me today none other than the legendary ryan celsius following a massive announcement of his us tour the end of underground 
it's only right we get him on the show. So in about 10 minutes time, we're sitting down for an interview.
funk around and find out residents right now. Caliber, Ponsuda, and back when. Absolutely massive.
show with Teddy Color. It's the studio, right? The laboratory. Amazing. <laughs> Man, anyway, I got to start by saying that the, the show probably wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the Trapping in Japan series. About, I think it's six years ago, I was in the back of my friend's little sister's car, just riding along, and she pops on Trapping in Japan free. Of course, oh. starting with um, DJ Young Van Blessings. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, from that point on, I've been I've been hooked on the genre since. So yeah, salute to you for planting the seed, man, and starting this musical journey for me. You know, hey man, no problem, no problem, man. Um, that was a that was a crazy time, you know, for for music and inter- internet music. So I, you know, I really I'm just so happy it resonated with people. You know, the sound and everything, and it continued to build and grow and become more diverse and more experimental and all the things so it's definitely you know underground music definitely inspires me as well so it's, all, it's always good to hear other people inspired by it so sure man so yeah what yeah, was man. your uh what was your introduction to the music uh i mean for me i was always kind of listening to that sound you know a lot of my family they're from the south so when i was younger i would always go down there you know my sister would love these underground cds and tapes from like you know three six mafia Eight Ball MJG, right. um, a lot of the early Chopped and Screwed stuff. And this is like maybe in the 2000s um, or like in the late 90s and 2000s. So right. I was used to hearing like all these sort of underground, grimy sounding tapes. And I thought it was, I thought it was incredible, you know? Yeah. And I would always try to find instrumentals for like Three Six Mafia albums and and things like that. And, and DJ Zerk and Kingpin Skinny Pimp and Koopsta and all those guys. And that was, in my opinion, that was my introduction to it because it was something I was always looking for. You know, right. that sound, I think proper, proper, the, 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 you're talking about like the wave on SoundCloud. Right. I think the first track that I promoted that was like a funk track was Comastly, I okay. think. I'm not familiar it, with that artist. I'll yeah, Comastly. He, yeah, he had some bangers really, really early on and Intius and Aseri and yeah and then there was some there was some DJ Smokey in there but that was about it at the time right and so I was listening to a lot of those guys then I happened upon uh Immune who wasn't really doing funk at the time but he was doing like bass heavy he was quite lo-fi in the early days right absolutely very SPO 404 SP404 based but he had a, a few tracks that have Memphis samples in it. Right. Right. And so I really gravitated towards that sound. So so to me at that time on SoundCloud, there was no real there was a distinction between like there was no real distinction. People were just throwing genre names all over the place to be honest. That's what was <laughs> yeah. It still happens now. The genres are just they're just all over the place, right? For me, I'm fine with that. You know, it's not really yeah. the name is is for everybody else, you know, for for the head you know, it's to find things of course, but for the heads you know, you're really just kind of just jumping in and diving yeah. in, and you the name it. is kind of that's, that's what yeah. I was saying. That was like 20, 2013 right. or so that I was so, putting up um, like funk tracks. And how did that translate into the the channel? I mean, how did the how did the channel start? What was the idea behind it? Uh, so for me, the idea behind the channel initially it was you know basically I was just at work and as a software engineer, quality assurance engineer for a software company doing video testing, right and. I needed good music and music discovery at that time was kind of, in my opinion, pretty whack. It was, you had to put in a lot of work to actually find new music, right? You had things like Pandora, which was becoming more and more mids over time. And then YouTube 
for me was the best place for music discovery, YouTube, Bandcamp, and SoundCloud, right? But not really SoundCloud in 2012. I'm not sure if it was there. I forget, you know, the history of SoundCloud, to be honest. Um, But this is like in, you know, 2011, 2012, I was more the Bandcamp guy. And people were using SoundCloud and pushing a lot of stuff. But I was deep into Bandcamp and YouTube for the early YouTube promoters like um, Mr. Suicide Sheep, Majestic okay. Casual. Yeah, I remember that channel because um, they, they used to upload a lot of drum and bass as well. Because yep. going back, I was I was always way more into the drum and bass and dubstep um, coming through. That was actually what I was into before I got introduced to the, the Ryan Celsius channel. And yeah, Mr. Suicide Sheep, they were, they were quite a big channel for that. Hell yeah. I, I mean, I was huge into dubstep. Huge into that the 2009 dubstep era, yeah, man. And That's a good, you know, great you, time. UKF dubstep. You remember UKF? Yeah, of course, um, man. And they would have like radio. They would have. They had a on their site. They had like the archive of all the radio, so you could download like hundreds of mixes for the daily. Right. So I would just download all these dailies and just listen to them back then. And so then I took that energy to to YouTube when I find these other guys and they're like, man, just uploading daily, just new music, new music. And right. so I started digging through Bandcamp and finding music that I really love. And my goal was just to make music videos. I wanted to sharpen my editing skills on music videos. Okay. And the independent artists, I mean, they had nothing. They had no, I mean, they barely were getting their cover art together. And I felt like, man, th- this track is so fire. It needs to have that visual. So I started making all these unofficial music videos. And it really wasn't hip hop at all, if I would say, for the first I mean, for a long time on the channel. Like, right. for example, like um, for the first year, I think there was almost no rap vocals on anything on the okay. channel, for example. So More it started like a off. Showcase of the beats. Exactly. Like Clamps Casino and, and oh, guys okay. like that. I would like, you know, put stuff together uh, for their projects and put it on the channel. A lot of experimental stuff like uh, Lorne and a lot of Ninja Tune uh, type artists. And yeah, it was really just to make music videos, you know, and that I thought were really interesting and cool. Were chopped up versions of anything really i like the idea of the visual sampling like i'll take a commercial and chop it with a, a an old movie and chop it with a, a promotional campaign clip or with some right. b-roll from something else and you know kind of like you would a, a track sample i would mm-hmm. take a video and really you know complement the audio with that same style like if they're sampling this loop okay i got a video loop and we're going to sample it in the same way and you know turn it in the same way so right. for me that's what the channel represented for the first few years that's of course where the the trapping in japan series would have come in yeah so yeah. yeah what was what was the inspiration behind the the trapping in japan series and where did the where did the name come from oh the i mean the direct inspiration was from uh, emotional tokyo which was a youtube channel at the time i mean they were the first to put up basically any funk mix that wasn't just someone's mixtape that already existed right? right and even then like a lot of funk artists they were putting out like little eps and stuff but no one was really putting out like big mixes and much less on YouTube. I mean, even outside the genre, even like Mr. Suicide Sheep, like it was mainly singles, right? right? It, it wasn't really, you know, he would have maybe albums or mixes very, very rarely, but even if he did, it was just a, a single image. And so I started seeing Emotional Tokyo posting a lot of these, not not even a lot really, he had two mix series. He had Trapped in Heaven and he had High at School, right? right? And they, I just thought they were so fire. And they had, you know, at the time, 
almost no one was really doing like the anime gifts and all that. You know, basically that was very novel at the time. It was literally only three channels had any music promo that weren't just still images of like random women and stuff like that. That was yeah, basically yeah. the the energy of the time. Um, but um, Emotional Tokyo and a couple other channels like Sound Station, Artsy Music, Triangle Music, they were like the only ones that had like basically Tumblr aesthetic. And I was deep into yeah. Tumblr. Right. And so all that kind of fused together and you know i had a love of japan and some of the video that i would watch was just videos of people driving through japan or like mm. b-roll of of looking at um a boat trip in japan right yeah because the so, aesthetics go so well together with the, the oh, yeah. sound the sound and the visual i mean that the channel really upgraded the, the entire <laughs> the entire visual scene and it went hand in hand where you had like obviously everyone using the the simpsons pictures on the uh on soundcloud as well yeah. and then they become the whole simpsons wave thing so yeah all tied in so nicely and oh um, yeah so yeah the name oh, yeah. the name ryan celsius i'm assuming ryan is your name but I'm, I'm assuming that celsius is probably probably not what's uh where did the channel's name come from i mean that's 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 my you know that's that's my code name you know that's right. my that's my pseudonym you know i the origins of the name itself were really from you know i had a dream about the name okay. and i woke up it was was one of those inception style dreams I had a dream about the name. I woke up. I told my roommate at the time. I said, "Hey, dog. I, I said this dream where I came up with this, this Ryan Celsius name. He was like, oh, that sounds Damn. like a, that's a cool name. That's amazing. And then I woke up. And I was like, oh shit. And I looked at my roommate. I was like, yo, dog. I just had a crazy dream. He said, what was it about? I said, nah, <laughs> nah. I'm not even gonna go down this path. <laughs> but, but, but that that's what happened. So from there, you know, I started using it basically for for everything you know all my games because i was a huge 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 gamer that was my i was the guy you know in terms of my enthusiasm for competitive gaming at the time which was starcraft which was um it was across the board really you know i played a lot of rts like mainly blizzard starcraft starcraft right. um brute war specifically at that time um a lot of fighting games marvel versus capcom 2 Guilty Gear, a lot of anime games, Street Fighter 4, Street Fighter, you know, Third Strike before that. Um, That's and- amazing, though. With the name, it's because uh, so many guys, like DJs, artists and stuff, they really struggle to to develop on their name. I, I know so many that they chop and change names all the time. And yeah. generally, there's sometimes there's not a great story, but to sort of get the name in a dream and then stick with it and it transpire into such a huge channel that's that's amazing man yeah we wouldn't have predicted it you know wouldn't have predicted it did you ever foresee the channel like getting to the scale that it is now because i think it's it's at uh just shy of like six hundred thousand subscribers right that's that's obviously huge oh yeah it's up there now it's up there now i didn't really um necessarily consider it because my goal wasn't a goal of like some sort of financial or how for lack of a better term like clout chase around the channel it was just more of the love of music right yeah i just really loved it and it was exciting when you know one person comments on it oh 50 people commenting on it, so oh man that's that's cool too yeah you know but at the time i didn't really i didn't start like pushing you know until i got to maybe uh, like ten thousand subscribers and i felt like that was you know a mile a huge huge milestone i felt absolutely you know yeah and at that point, you know, you get invited to go to the YouTube partner program and on the there's like uh, the YouTube creator spaces. OK. And you meet all these other YouTubers and people that are basically of similar size. And they were taking it very seriously in terms of, you know, I want to quit my job and just do YouTube and that that whole thing, right. which I didn't really, you know, that wasn't really my goal. 
And okay. so it did catch me by surprise, but at the same time, I realized there, strat- there were strategies I could employ to grow the channel and add more things uh, from those experiences. So at a certain point it became, okay, well, let me just do all the shit that I think would be really cool. And all the people, the, the, not the few people, but the thousands of people that I got in this little nugget, what can I do that they'll really interact with and really right. vibe with? And okay. once the live streaming started to happen, that's when um, it started to go pretty viral and getting a lot, lots and lots of new people coming in during that initial 24-7 lo-fi live stream era, you know. Yeah, because the audience now must be worldwide. I mean, uh, I guess I don't really know how it works with um, YouTube's like analytics and stuff, but what are some of the the biggest cities that are dialing into this, um, the biggest cities and countries that are dialing into the music? Yeah, I would say, um, of course, U.S. is is always the main on most of the the YouTube analytics, but um, specific cities, Houston, right? Uh, Houston's big, L.A. is big, uh, Chicago is big, Dallas is big, Florida is big. Um, in terms of other countries, uh, really big in Brazil, right. um, Germany, um, definitely Germany is big. Uh, Russia, to an extent, is, is is pretty big, I would say. Yeah, they're one of the biggest um, countries that are tapping into my show as well. And I was I was surprised about Brazil. That's that's amazing as well. I've got to give a shout out to Open and Psycho. They're they're a pair of my my favorite producers. I feel like the the inspiration for them they really shine through in the scene. A lot of like real soulful samples. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you do the channel now it's like a full-time occupation or you you're involved in other bits right because you're uh you're an a and r for amuse as well right mm-hmm. yeah so there's a lot going on on that front so i have my own record label so i'm managing that okay and r with the muse uh, obviously managing the merchandise and things like that uh as well as as a business and i do a lot of other sort of just music industry business um connecting deals um, for various labels and, and, you know, putting the right people in the room, um, okay. is what I kind of try to do a lot. So there's a lot of promo that goes on. And then there's tons of these side projects that come up. Like for example, in, in 2021, I worked with, uh, Westbrook media and Will Smith to develop a, a lo-fi mix for his YouTube channel wow. that they, they put up, you know, it's about an hour and a half long, like a whole big thing. And then from there, there were a lot of sort of opportunities that resulted from that. And uh, so there's a lot of that that goes on, a lot of those type of partnerships. Um, That's insane, man. I, I've never imagined stuff like that being um, sort of connected to the, the the scene as such. But yeah, to hear that, like say, Will Smith's channel reaching out to, to get hold of a mix, that's that's mega, man. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, yeah, it was huge. So I've been in sort of those type of things that have continued to, to grow. So a lot of my time is spent kind of cultivating those relationships and, and building new sort of ideas and skills and, and trying to continue the evolution. Because I, I think there's like a hole you can get in with content creation and like YouTube to where you're just doing, people love the same thing over and over again. That I yeah. mean, that's, that's just facts and analytics. So it's easy to do that to just niche down the channel to one thing and just deliver that one thing and let it hit a million subscribers and and do all that. But to me, that has no real, as an individual, that doesn't have that much value, even though maybe it's, you could argue whether it's needed in a community, you know, to have something hyper niche down. But Mm -hmm. yeah, so for me, I'm always trying to at least grow what I'm doing with the channel as opposed to nailing down hyper-specific consistency. Like, I, so I didn't really chase a lot of the, the trends as deep as other people would chase them. So I felt, for example, with lo-fi hip-hop, I kind of got in in the beginning right. and then pioneered a few things, but I didn't change my channel to be like lo-fi Ryan, you know, or something like that. Yeah, sure. And 
And then, you know, because I had funk on there, I had Vaporwave, I have experimental weird drum and bass stuff. I have all this other, all these other things that to me are equally as uh, impactful in exactly. the internet music scene. It's, uh, it's important to diversify stuff and, and most of all, just experiment. I mean, I feel like I'm in a lucky position here with with being so into the funk music and then having all of these like underground UK genres at my disposal as well. Mm. I mean, some of them clash a little bit, but I've managed to to merge things. Like the last show I done was all it was all drum and bass and like then funk tunes that are 175 or around that BPM. Which yeah, that's people have reacted great to that. So I think yeah, to create new new scenes and in- introduce fans of different genres to funk essentially and similar sounds you know oh yeah oh yeah but yeah are you interested in any any sort of genres outside of the like the funk and lo-fi spectrum that you're into uh, i mean in general i mean i'm really into a lot of a lot of role let's just talk about right now i guess in general i mean my music experiences i was a classical musician pianist okay for for i mean i guess i still am you know but that was, that was my introduction to music when i was uh very young and throughout high school and college etc mm-hmm. and so i have affinity for music soundtracks i love soundtracks i love osts so very orchestrated music i love i love a lot of alternative and rock music from you know that i was in that that 90s golden era of like alternative music with like incubus and and all of that going on infusing that with southern hip-hop at the the same time all of that was the wave you had outcast coming up and you had all the gritty down south stuff like pastor troy and and all those guys in south florida you know even then and to me it was all i fused all those things together at the time so my music taste is really developed from that. So now at this point, I'm I'm pretty deep into. I'm not sure what to call it. I'm not sure. There's, there's a couple names for it. Um, like uh, like macro blank style style music, uh, haircuts for men, um, right. for example. I'm not, uh, I'm not familiar with any of this. I like yeah, it's it's like a fusion of of, of breakcore, drum and right. bass, okay, uh, hip hop. Uh, you know, it's it's to me, it's an evolution of of DJ Shadow functionally oh, like okay. a hyper evolution yeah. of like dj shadow right. right that's that's been happening um and that, i really i'm really into that sound right now and sort of like a, a, the synth wave death metal sound as well you know i've right. been really into that for a while like um there's an artist carpenter brute french artist so it's like a very like horror course heavy synth very soundtrack cinematic style you know yeah i feel um, like with the the classical music as well my my dad always used to play a lot of classical when i was younger mm. um, i've never specifically listen to it but so many tracks that I really resonate with they always have that classical music um, influence and yeah they're the ones that you can really deep um, absolutely you know yeah. they, have, they have a story that's being told you know or you can create a story within the track you know when you have a melody that, that dances between you know different keys between different chord, chord progressions and you know to me it's just so dynamic you know yeah. so you can evoke a lot it's uh, I love as well the, the sort of the spectrum between uh, say like bass music where it's there's no sort of real note progression or symphonies as such it's very just bass driven mm-hmm. but then on the other end of the scale you've got the classical music and then you get you getting some people djs that are the combining the two you go from one that's like up here and one that's super bass heavy yeah mm-hmm. that's, that's such an amazing dynamic yeah i'd love to see more of especially in the funk scene like i was saying about um the brazil guys earlier like so the sort of samples they're using they're extremely classical influenced and then to say 
go from something like that to like a young vamp track that just straight up it's quite monotone but just smacks yeah. yeah yeah weaving in and out of these different styles man but yeah so how long ago did you start djing uh, to be honest i mean djing proper i would say mm. i mean that was i would say fairly recent you know a lot of what i had done was really just it you know in the daw or in the or in the video editor like right. for at a certain point it became easier for me to to chop up tracks and like clean up and mix tracks purely within the tools and the, the different video editing software I would use. Like I'd rather, I could chop up a mix in Sony Vegas or in like Magic's or like Adobe Premiere functionally right. and make it clean. You know, I could set up transitions and cut the, the WAV file and, and just do it all manually, which was okay. in retrospect, you know, less I, you know, less convenient. But I didn't really know how to use a controller for the majority of the time. You know, right. I didn't really need it. I mean, I just do every everything on keyboard. Like trapping in Japan, the first, at least the first, like the first eight of them, I would say I made all of those completely in the video editor. You right. Know? Like from the audio, mixing the audio, cleaning up the audio, obviously beat matching everything with the videos. It was I saw them lining up everything side by side by side. You know, you have okay, we have the bass hit, we have the kick. And then we have boom this this video cut and they're all on the same channel you know and so that's easy for me to functionally do so i would say proper proper djing um i learned how to dj on vinyl maybe that was 2017 okay right and it was with a guy that had a I, he had seen the channel and had the idea of well we, sh we should dj live i have a live drummer and I've, I've been DJing for 20 years and now I'm starting to DJ with video. So he had a projector and he was doing like a biggie mix and he would project the biggie mix and then mix the biggie mix in real time right. with uh, the video and then have the live drummer and they would do a whole thing. But um, he had no idea how to describe that to people <laughs> as a show. People wouldn't really get it until you show it to him. And then, oh my God, and he felt like he was inspired by my channel. So he assumed that's what I was doing. So I said, that's not what I'm doing at all. I'm just behind the keyboard. I'm a keyboard internet warrior guy, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. And uh, so then he taught me how to, to properly DJ. And then I didn't buy a, a board until 20, 2019. And then I started kind of fooling around and using Ableton Live and then right. buying a bunch of, you know, different controllers and trying things out and yeah. experimenting. You know, and seeing how how well it helps the production. Obviously, in general, I you know had like um, an Akai and stuff like that before, but I didn't have like a, a proper two, you know DJ controller. So yeah, I think it's worked better that way for you though, because now you're you can do the AV DJ sets, which there's very yep. few people that can offer that, and I think. The DJ, the DJ scene in all genres is heavily oversaturated. Like there's mm. people that just pick up controllers way before they even start producing. So yeah, if anything, there's, there's too much DJ stuff. Like I said, I think it's worked. It's worked great. And you can now translate that not only from the channel, but now onto the stages. So yeah, you can offer a completely new experience and curate a new type of event as such. Yeah, which to um, me is, is great. My first DJ gig was actually kind of just getting thrown into the deep end. Right. It was um, 2021, and um, I had been doing some work with uh, Flying Lotus for Brain Feeder. Right. Um, and so I was, of course, excited about that. And one day, I'd finished working on a project for the anime Yasuke, which has I made like the trailer sort of footage and official music video, AM, the official AMVs for the, for the show, mm. which um, he had executive produced. And then I think it was like maybe some weeks later, uh, he hit me up and said, hey, I'm, I'm in New York. Um, and I'm doing a show. Uh, do you want to come? And my opinion was, I, I assumed he meant, you know, just to come and watch a show, which I thought would be great. 
um, like a guest. So I said, of course, I'll, I'll come. He said, um, can you perform? Can you open? Mm. Right. And I said, well, I, yes, <laughs> I'll figure out what that means. I'll figure out all that because I've never performed technically in public, even when I'm on stream and I'm, I'm DJing at that time, I was doing like Funk Friday lives. Mm. Right. But um, I, I'm in a room alone. <laughs> doing that yeah yeah it's you know? a completely different different thing it's what I, I think it's crazy as well that because obviously flying lotus is a huge artist for yeah for you to come and perform sort of like a bit on the fly i'd assume yeah. there'd have been like real um pre-planning involved but yeah to to be asked to do that i bet that was extremely nerve-wracking yeah it was i think the show was nine days out <laughs> he said Damn. can you be there next next friday i said yeah i'll, I'll drive up to, to new york and We'll, we'll see. And when I got there, he didn't realize he was like, yeah, so how many shows have you done? I said, this is going to be the first one, Shit, <laughs> you <man>. know, <laughs> he said, he said, well, I, I guess, I guess, I guess we'll see what happens. Cause this was a uh, Brooklyn Mirage. So it's like, uh, you know, Steve Aoki had played there right. the day before. It's a huge right? venue, huge outdoor venue. And, um, when I get there, it's raining, it's pouring down rain right. and, uh, all my equipment is getting <laughs> destroyed uh-huh. and sound check. And, you know, so the stress, I, I, I love stress in that way, jumping into something like that so the stress was more of i don't want to let uh flying lotus down because he's putting me on i don't want to embarrass embarrass him or anything yeah, like that for sure yeah but outside of that the people and all of that that didn't really stress me out at all you know okay it was just yeah that, that that aspect didn't really factor in it was more of yeah i wanted that... to sound good i wanted to be good you know yeah, it's, it's the... usually the audience that really gets people worked up so yeah that's that's interesting to hear that it was kind of the other way around for you yeah yeah so um, that was the kind of the first dj experience right yeah so what's involved in your sort of like av dj setup with live because i've i mean um we've of course seen you using a, a playstation controller to be doing mm-hmm. audio and visuals so yeah what's tell us a bit about about how that works Oh yeah, so it evolves from show to show or situation to situation. So for me right now, for example, I think the most recent New York show with the the PlayStation controller. um, So the idea is uh, basically I have the PlayStation connected what's called the dirty mixer. And I don't have an example right here. I think they're all in the other other lab right now with the TVs. But um, um, it takes in an analog signal and you could functionally distort it or make changes to it in real time. And so what what I would be doing is I would be basically flipping through videos on PlayStation and chopping them in when certain things would happen audio wise. So, for example, if I'm playing like, let's say for like, um, um, a Besaidu song or something, a 21, yeah, right. 21 Savage sample. And I yeah. know exactly when the vocal is going to come in. And he says something about like trigger finger, right? I'm going to switch the video to like Scarface footage and I'm going to glitch it out when the bass hits and I'm going to switch it back. And then I'm going to navigate to the, the anime file when I'm switching back to uh, like a Fable, Fable the Fable 3, the game, like a Fable uh, soundtrack sample. I'm going to switch to that video file and then go there and kind of do that low key on the PlayStation controller or the arcade stick while I'm mixing the audio. So I think right. by and large, like just mixing audio to me, you know, my, I like to be busy. I like to think about the two things at the same time, audio yeah. and video. Just think about one seems like there's something missing. I, um, yeah, I, I do have this thought quite often as a, as a DJ 
um i have a i have a bit of a love-hate relationship with djing because I, I love doing it mm. i love just delivering a vibe and an energy but there is times where i'm stood behind the decks and i'm like in between a mix i'm letting it ride out and i'm like I'm doing nothing right now. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're just, I'm just you're standing here. You're like, yeah. well. But you see, like, I see, obviously, it's absolutely plastered on social media, like DJs, and you see them all doing this wild, wild shit. And you've, like, as another DJ, I sort of look, I'm like, damn, this is, I don't, there's something a bit um, insincere about it, I guess, that I, it always plays on my mind. So I think as yeah. well, for myself, I want to try and develop it into something where it's a bit more. But I guess as well, for me, it's just like, if I'm, if I'm not busy, I don't try and look busy. I just, I yeah, just yeah. dance and try and resonate with the crowd. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not about trying to look like I'm doing something I'm not, which is, I think, a bit of a thing right now with the DJ, you know? Yeah, I've been hearing about that and seeing people like, oh man, this person's a fraud, they're not blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's just, I don't know, I don't know what people are doing. I think people don't know exactly what I'm doing, and I'm doing a whole lot, but you know, it's, yeah. but it's not really necessarily, a, it's about that, I guess. I think it's, for me, it, I think it would be great if people could see what I'm doing. And so with the Funk Fridays where I have like the two cameras and like I'm showing people like, yo, I'm this is doing this, this is doing this. Mm. But a lot of the equipment is so unknown that everyone's just confused yeah. <laughs> usually. Um, yeah, I suppose some of the crowd are there to just dance and enjoy it. Yeah. So you'll get some that are a bit tech, like techie and they'll be like, they'll, they'll really love that. But I think, I guess, um, as some of the, any of your like, upcoming shows, you could actually integrate that. I mean, you've got your visuals going on that you're controlling, but then to yep. also have a live feed of, of your uh, setup in front of you, that would yeah. be amazing. Hell yeah, I agree, I agree. So yeah, you've uh, you've also played like stages like PuffCon, yeah, yep. since then, the Black Box Denver, which they're, they're a huge player in the scene right now. You've of course met Corey that runs Black Box. Yeah. Um, how how was the Black Box show? I remember watching that um, on the live stream. I woke up. I think it was like six a.m. for me. I just woken up. <laughs> I got this notification from the YouTube channel. I, I managed to catch like the last half hour of it, and I was just like, the FOMO yeah. I was experiencing was too much. Oh yeah, I, I think the Black Box. Uh, what what a great venue. I mean, just everybody's so cool. Corey, of course, is dope. Um, and just, I mean, what a dope venue. I think from, on the visual side. You know, me, I'm, I'm always concerned, trying to make sure everything is straight with like the projection and all that. And it just came together really smooth. I think they had at the time, like this square lighting array uh, that kind of framed a person in the middle of the um, in the stage and then the, the projector behind it. And so to me, yeah, it was it was great because the crowd was like they were there. It was the first time I had headlined a show for the community and the community showed out specifically for that usually all my shows and things where i'm on something else right you know and i'm bringing the funk from underground and everything else is everything else but this was okay we got some heavy hitters here you know we got vaughn we got escape all right we got we got hoodie man you got all the the people that have been here doing it and um the brand funk around and find out brand you know obviously very clever and it was really a community like show so the energy was was very it was, it was very good everybody was there for that and stayed the whole time basically once people came in they didn't filter out and that's always a good sign yeah, so Dem incredible Denver's, show uh, they've really put the music on the map and i think yeah to have to have cory in the in the scene he's he's 
he's such a good role model for so many guys like I speak to a lot of the, the funk around and find out artists and they, they just always they're just praising Corey and um, understand that's uh, that show is kind of what's led to the, the tour that's just been announced right yeah 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 so we you know I had this idea for a tour for quite a while and right. you know obviously just been doing shows and then you know once we connected with Corey and you know he's been one to build funk around and find out to go different places and, and do things so I think it was a natural fit to, to, to work a little bit with him and really um, really b- help build that out so now at this point I think we got eight stops you know low key we have three or four more that might be added on and you know to me it represents culmination of everything from from YouTube to a fully independent tour um, I think that's the energy I've been trying to keep this whole time, you know, like we're trapping in Japan, all the mixes, everything, you know, don't be defined by, Hey, you're, you're just a producer. You should just be making beats and looking for rappers. That's what, that's what you do, yeah. right? Oh, you're just a DJ. You should be doing weddings and birthdays, yeah. you know, and, and all, all these different things, like ignore all that. You could be independent, build something on your own and you might fail, might not fail. But at the end of the day, it's going to be the same amount of energy. Right. So to me, like I'm trying to, lead from the front and show people hey we can do a tour with this yeah. underground music that's, you know? uh, that's what's great about the funk genre is is it's it's completely unique i say that none of this stuff's been done before so for this to come together you've got let's say you've got some great artists involved um bon intius and Lockalypse, all them guys mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's so exciting to see something completely brand new come together and yeah, yeah it's the, yeah, it's absolutely the start of this um, is the fun show. Um, oh yeah, color. and shout out to Bad Kids, Good People as well. You know, we got Bad Kids, Good People, yeah. City Pond. You know, a lot of guys. Uh, Ponsuda is a uh, spoiler oh, yeah, alert. Ponsuda is going to be joining us in Dallas. Right. Um, and there's, I mean, I, I want to put the whole community on. There's so many just fire producers, all of them underrated, in my opinion. All of them got their own lane, in my opinion, for the most part. And super excited about that. It's amazing to see that the the venues supporting it as well, because an issue I have over here is with the funk genre being so unknown, it's mm-hmm. very hard to get a to get a venue to give you a chance. But um, yeah. yeah, for a series of venues in different cities to to get behind this it's um it's absolutely amazing um, yeah and, and and tough too i mean um you know it's it's i mean it's, it's multi-layered to be transparent you know to to get into the venue is one thing right you know we're leveraging relationships you know but even then it's like you have to convince people that it could work and then once they're convinced yeah. then it's about well how much you guys willing to pay uh, you know oh well we don't think you can sell it out so well you're not gonna try and pay out as much or we're not you know or yeah. we're skeptical so you know and so there's still that that feeling i think yeah. once it is successful and it hits then that will raise the water for everybody exactly. so that artists could come and say hey i can make some money at this at this event and it'd be a crazy good event and the venue they love to have me they're, they're looking for artists like me so yeah we could Yo. change that to be that next this time next year big success but yeah picking things back up we're talking about the tour you've obviously just announced a huge u.s tour it's the first of its kind for for the genre for the sound and for well for the country as well i guess so yeah just going through the through the support you've got you've got purple posse and holy mob guys like von Mm -hmm. intius you've also got a a new a new merch line which you're running at the shows right yeah, yeah, we're gonna have some tour merch, definitely. And mm. um, we're currently, you know, getting collaborators and sponsors, things of that nature. And so we're looking to, you know, give people some surprises as well, you know, right. with the, the type of brands that we're gonna be partnering with. I think that's always, always a fun thing. So 
Uh, right now we're in that phase where we're ramping up to make sure we can get and deliver on uh, some cool ass merch and, and things yeah. like that. Something a little bit outside the box. Of course, you're going to have the, the hoodies and the shirts and uh, maybe even the, the track suits, right. <laughs> you know. Um, but I think also a big thing is I'm pushing really hard on every old school thing you can think of. But right now, the VHS tape is really the wave that I want to kind of push forward as an aesthetic, you know, because functionally vinyl, despite, I mean, obviously I love that platform, but really for the most people that purchase it, you know, 75% of people that buy vinyl don't have a record player, you know, yes. they're in it for the artwork, for the, the, the touch and feel, mm. for the goodies inside as well. So I think um, at the show, there will be vinyls available um, and things like that. Uh, in addition to the standard tour merch with all the artist names on it, the tour dates, you know, that's that stuff's definitely going to be there, mm. but going to be some cool things too, like some VHS tapes or some rare mixes yeah. that were taken oh. down from YouTube and shit right. like that, you know. That's cool to hear because I know the the tape cassettes um, that's become quite a common thing. Um, oh yeah! Again, it's one of them where people don't necessarily have a cassette player. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, even I've got like a selection up here. I've got like a, a Shadow Star, DJ Chokey. Hey, um, roll raw files. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got raw files. Yeah, I'm actually, um, subtly uh, working on something with uh, Blunted Astronaut that he's uh, the label that worked with Shadow Star on that. Yeah, um, yeah. they make good uh, cassette tape covers. I love the covers that yeah. they come up with and the logos and everything. His work's really clean. He's he's a nice guy. I got to give him a shout out. Um, and yeah, it's it's little guys in the scene like this that um that are just all pushing the genre in the right way. I think, which actually leads me to a quite a I think it's quite an interesting question. Do you have do you have any concerns for the genre? You think there's things that are maybe like damaging or things that people should avoid? Um, I've noticed a few. Not to like pick at negative stuff, but yeah, like I guess yeah, we should just sort of avoid. You know? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm more of like a I think very free and openly a about music and music discovery and so things that a lot of people quote unquote have a problem with i really see the the truth of that right so okay. something like uh oversaturation everyone for every genre everyone talks oversaturated and oh yeah. man and this person's copying this person this and that and the third and i think people forget the reality like that when they started producing they were copying somebody else yeah or their style or trying to figure out their own you know and people are different stages of what they're doing and you mm -hmm. can't down people for practicing functions what no, they're doing no, you know so not. i think the most negative criticism i see comes from producers judging other producers and in, in the underground community it's even more nonsense like i saw a producer who's selling his his drum kit and then people he sold it to he would get mad that they would make music with his drum kit Oh. It sounded similar to his, you know, I'm just yeah. like, make it make sense, bro. I, you know, yeah. it's, 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 so I'm really about, Hey man, do everything, try everything because mm. it'll probably be shit at first because that's, that's the nature of the, of the thing. And then eventually you're going to find your lane and create something that is greater than the sum of your influences. Yeah. You know, that's so, actually something that, that brought me to that, that question is the, mm -hmm. the kit selling. I mean, there's a lot of good to it, but again, it's like, if if people were taking it it was it is practice that's that's absolutely amazing but it does yeah. seem to be quite a lot of like yeah just people they simply just want to do the same thing over and over again and i i, I don't know if they're expecting like different results but i think yeah. for the for the listeners sometimes um because that's what the matters most is the audience it's not mm -hmm. we're not making this for other producers 
so yeah i think sometimes that can be a little discouraging when things when they're they're hunting for new music and it's they just keep getting the same thing over and over again oh yeah it's 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 you know and you could talk about the I, but i think that trend that trend of things trending is common in everything you know in dubstep what you know what rises to the quote-unquote top is usually the lowest common denominator so it's like the prevalence of cowbell drift funk you know being popularized so heavily you know if you ask most people what funk is they'll say it's that it's, it's basically yeah. that right and so some funk artists like ogs will get pretty upset like you know about that premise of like oh man now they think i make this and you know and really getting their feelings it was Um, a huge topic recently i i I actually think that a few producers left the scene like i don't know specifically but you're obviously familiar mm -hmm. with google right the french producer yeah yeah he he i don't want to say fell off like he stopped being great he just kind of disappeared yeah, well, he he announced. He said, "I I don't want to I don't want to produce." He said, "I'm retiring," and I I don't know specifically, but I I think it might be because of the the drift uh, thing, and I think a couple of us nearly went down that route of being like, oh, "I don't want to I don't want to be associated with it." Um, wow, it's obviously it's fantastic for for that sound, like the the statistics that were achieved from that music, like guys like Cordell get featured on Forbes magazine stuff like that it's absolutely incredible um, yeah but yeah like for for the other side of funk it yeah I guess it, it was pretty jarring I think there was points where I, I was like damn this is I'm a little bit worried for myself like for the show that I'm gonna get mixed up in something that I'm sort of not involved in yeah it's it's definitely it's it's a it's a unique scene I think that times that whole drift thing's passed and it's not an issue anymore but it's definitely a, a weird, a weird beast to tame the whole, the whole funk thing. Yeah, I, I think if, as long as people keep, they keep perspective on it. You know, they keep perspective on it, then you won't be emotionally affected, and, and it cause a problem with you creating music. Because mm. ultimately, the TikTok drift funk, all that that thing, which I was partially involved in, you know, is a great thing. Because otherwise, you got to remember, before then, people now they say, hey, what's funk? And they say, oh, it's it's it is 180 BPM, you know, uh, play a funk track, you know, whatever, mm. right? They'll say it's it's just that, it's nothing else that person would have never even heard the word funk before. They would have yeah. no frame of reference. They would they have no clue what it is. Because at the end of the day, we're just guys on SoundCloud, right? No one was breaking through on Spotify. Even the biggest guys, right? You say, oh, well, how, how well is Smokey doing? How well is Bam or Sudier, Pro Posse? You know, are they reaching tens of millions of people? The answer, it should be yes, right? Because it's fucking, it's fire. And we, yeah. we respect it as what it is, but, um, it's not reaching the masses in that way so you know i think people should recognize like hey this thing maybe it's not what you do maybe it's putting something on your name that you don't like but it's reality and that trend you should kind of respect it and then provide the counter to it you know because uh, the strong the the, it's natural selection with music people can make a bunch of trash maybe we hot for a little bit what's Mm -hmm. gonna rise to the top is the communities the really the things that a lot of effort's been put in and yeah. it's hard to see that when i think it, you know the i'm just talking about not what i think necessarily but what the chatter is right and the chatter amongst producers is everyone's kind of judging people based on effort and things like that and they'll say oh you're making this low effort cowbell drift track the super generic because you want it to just go viral you're not doing yeah. it for the the musicality of it so i respect you less that's that's like a long story short yeah, of like yeah. the sentiments that i've seen expressed and I can understand that that energy, but I think people gotta realize like how does that help you become 
a better producer, yeah, you know, or better at what it, you're doing. It's kind of a it's a circle jerk, you know, and you yeah. can get involved in it, but you know, especially to publicly air your opinion, it shoots yourself in the foot because no matter whether however many people agree with you, it's still just showing. It's just displaying a negative side. And yeah, yeah, to be honest, the only people that are going to agree with you are the are the other producers. Which brings me back to like, it's the it's the audience that matters most. That's what you got to got to keep them happy, not the, not the other producers. So yeah, I mean, what do you think the future of this genre? What do you think's in store for it? I mean, I think I think partially because of weather the storm of, of morality. I think, which I would argue that dubstep didn't weather that storm that well. You no, know, because absolutely. it was a different time. Yeah. And I think music at that time was really focused on superstars. All right, let's take one sound, find one person and put them at the top of this genre and then basically try and dilute everything else. There's, right. there's like money behind that. Like Skrillex is Skrillex because there's money behind that. Yeah. Right. There was a, a push from labels and everyone to say, hey, this is what this is. And in funk, that's not necessarily the case. You could argue that. I don't think there's any superstars and that's good. There's pockets of people that have big communities and those people are gelling together. You know what I mean? And I think because of that, it's an underground genre that will continue to, to build. And the ambiguity of what it sounds like is actually it's probably its biggest benefit. The fact that, you know, it can sound anywhere from basically grimy gritty lo-fi dirt tapes mm. to bright and shiny futuristic space funk with you know, a little bit of dnb influence and it's still yeah. be considered in the genre you know yeah. you know so i think it has a lot of flexibility and that's the best part of it so i think it'll live a long time if if not in the evolution, which I think is true, but it just to the nostalgia of it. I think people hit me up all the time. They're not nostalgic for the the, the 2014 funk, you know, the, the smoke perp samples yeah. and the, the, <laughs> the little pump samples, the, the, you know, the XXX uh, samples and all of that. And, you know, so I think it's already something that has its own nostalgia associated. So I think yeah. it's going to last quite a while because yeah, it absolutely. can have so much movement i say it doesn't necessarily need to blow up I, I, I mean I think I'd prefer it if it stayed something that's a little bit underground and yeah I, f- I think there is a lot of longevity in the in the music I say even if uh, what transpires from things like the tour and us guys doing DJ sets even if it is a small community um, in the live scene I think mm-hmm. that's um, that's amazing I think that's exactly where it wants to go because I'd love to see this this music doing still being good uh well being relevant in in years to come you know um, oh yeah i think the wall it's definitely gonna be or is i mean one of the still highest trending um underground genre on spotify for example you know yeah. um that official playlist is the fastest growing playlist granted it's not representative of all of the funk genre which mm-hmm. is to me a, a huge benefit that means there's room to grow yeah. right this it's not static like that that, that playlist isn't oh this is what it is it's gonna stay there forever like no there's gonna be this discourse and it's gonna be back and forth on okay well let's throw this in let's throw this in and i didn't know this funk and to me that's just that's just so entertaining you know yeah that's like uh hey this is a rock album it belongs here you know yeah (laughs) it's yeah it's definitely interesting that's what um i find quite quite crazy is is how well statistically all areas of the genre does online 
but how mm-hmm. little there is in real life. And um, yeah. there's there's not a huge amount of people that are pushing it to the venues just yet. So it's, yeah. it's too early for me to say, oh, it's kind of crazy that it's not there. There's There's groundwork that needs to be done. But yeah, I think looking at that statistic and then thinking, why isn't this over there? It's, it's kind of mad, but that's why it's it's great for us guys because like we are doing the groundwork. So the, yeah, everything to come from that is so exciting, and yeah, it's, it follows its own its own path, which I think is truly special. Yeah, I think you could take take notes from the the lo-fi scene because this happened immediately before, right? Lo-fi hip hop blew up, right? All these bedroom producers became, you know. Um, able to really make money off of their music on, on the streaming platforms and became more and more known and unknown. You know, there's a whole thing that happened with lo-fi hip-hop, right? Um, but a, a big part of it was, what do we do in a, in a live space? Like, what is, what exactly, who comes to a Basaidu show, right? Who comes to a Swamp show if he's just playing chill down tempo, right? That's a different crowd than then would come to you know, a dubstep show or a dance show. And so I think a big issue with lo-fi hip hop was a lot of venues would say, we don't want to have down tempo today. Or if it is down tempo, it has to be somebody known. Like, yeah. you know, like a Flying Lotus can go and, and do a, a basically like a down tempo show to a degree, but random bedroom producer, like sure he has 4 million monthly listeners on, yeah. on Spotify, but you know, we're going to come and just play a beat tape, you know? And I think, to me, I mean, that sounds fine to me. I would go, to, I would go to that, you know. Yeah. Oh, but um, I think they're thinking like, well, people are just gonna be standing around. They're not gonna be dancing, right? The, yeah. the BPM seventy for for the whole the whole show. Like, I don't know, and you know, so I tried to help people figure that out. But at the same time, it was a really a, just a, for lack of a better term, like a, a mystery box of how do we translate internet acclaim to a live space for a genre that's more down tempo. And even now, that's a lot of the feedback that I get on the funk scene before they experience the show. Yeah. It's, oh, we're just gonna put like slow, chopped and screw heavy bass stuff, and that's cool if we're in a car or we're, we're hanging around chilling. But this is a show we want people dancing and moving. So I think it's, it's still that barrier the, between the concept funk being some tempo genre and the reality of it being a lot of different things across the board. Yeah, so that's, I just wanted was, to bring uh, that up because that was definitely. This was an issue for me. Well, sorry. I'm not an issue um, as such, but when my first ever club set, I played not not super low. I think I was around the 115 uh, BPM mark. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I remember a couple of the guys, a couple of the other guys on the lineup come up to me at the end and they said, I said, yeah, the set was amazing, um, but it was it was too slow. And uh, mm. I, I got a little bit offended at the time. I was like, "Yeah, but we're trying to we're trying to push something unique here. So the idea is to to do what we love." Which, yeah. um, but then I, I sort of went away and calmed down, and I thought, "No, it's actually right because you can do both when you're out in the club. You've got to get mm-hmm. people hyped up. They want to dance." And um, yeah, and then I sort of looked back at it. I was like, "The difference between my set, people were just literally just bopping their heads." And then he went on, yeah, and he had the whole place going mental. So yeah, it's definitely that to consider. All of my live shows now, I'm always, I always favour the higher tempo stuff. Generally, one three five to one hundred and fifty five, maybe maybe even higher. Um, mm. So so what's what's in what's in store for for you as such and the the brand? What's the future of the brand look like? Yeah, um, 
that's that's a loaded question. I mean, for me right now, the the tour is a huge, huge part of the brand. My hope for the tour is that we we do it. Obviously, it's, it's successful, and then we do a couple other um, sort of tours and residency things. I have um, a concept for you know, I like like you mentioned earlier, you're playing the slower tracks, crowds not moving, they're kind of bumping, and you know the other guy comes and kills it, and you kind of take that and you learn from that, and you mm -hmm. say, hey, well, I can integrate that with what I do. You know, me, I'm sort of hard-headed in that respect. Right. Okay. You know, um, so I, I try to, I push it to the edge, you know. I want people to start to question what I'm doing just a little bit and right. then bring it back in. So um, for me, that's a huge thing. So I, that's a segue to this idea of, well, I want to do like a horror, like show tour, like a basically a don't sleep tour, right? right? Um, with Evil Aesthetic, um, another, another guy another like genre traveling on the channel which is this heavy intense hard trippy ridiculous uh sort of vibe and i think that in the live space right now you're not really getting a lot of that necessarily right i think that's but realistically i think it's a core genre like if you look at film right at the end of the day everyone's gonna go to the, the one big horror movie of beer and have fun and you know it's almost like the roller coaster right at, at the amusement park and i think that that's something that's kind of missing from the show scene or or it's or it's always framed in a very hyper specific way you know like um you could have like a dark music show like you say like a suicide boy show isn't necessarily like a hard sort of show but it has some of those aesthetics and things like that and the sound is gritty right but i think there's an evolution of that that people are kind of completely missing out on right and so i want to bring that sort of fully functional intense intensity uh to a show because my for example the black box there was a couple basically functional like super dark trap uh right. elements that i brought in and people went bananas during those portions right you know i'm having cuts from all these horror films and i have everything really going in all cylinders and that was really intense and they really loved it and that's what they talked about after the show like oh man that exorcist shit you did with this that and the third that was that was insane right you know and in a, in a perfect world i would want to do a show where you know i i you have the fake blood coming from the ceiling everybody has to wear ponchos and the whole thing the whole thing right so in terms of where things are going i want to do more installations i want to do more things in real life record those things for the stream and show people that you can evolve from from anything you can evolve from anime gifts to an installation at art basil in miami yeah. you know and you can do it all yourself if you do it all yourself and put in that work and put in that effort. Mm. Um, and so future of the brand for me is creating that type of series of live events. Like I've created a series on the channel. You have high at work, you got sad trap, you got trapping in Japan, you got tripping you know, yeah. in Japan and X, Y, Z. What about so that? A series of events. Yeah. yeah. Series really push, of vibe. Push yes. the limits on the, yeah, in the interaction as such and the, I guess the AV, all of the visual aspects. Oh yeah, yes. For me, that's 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 really where I want to push right. the 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 vibe and the aesthetic of the channel, yeah. um, so, as well as more collabs. So, with that, what advice would you give to sort of up and coming artists or people that want to get involved with the music scene right now? Um, use every tool at your disposal. Practice makes perfect. Don't get caught up in watch what everyone is doing, but don't have a don't have commitment to what everyone else is doing right mm -hmm. what everyone else is doing it should inform and, and give you knowledge about your craft 
you know, and anything else that you're doing beyond that is kind of that's for social, that's for fun. And you got to kind of separate it out into those things, you know, because I think a lot of people take the social aspects and that, for lack of a better term, fucks their head up, you know, and right. they lose sight of, I really just wanted to make something incredible or I wanted to be like this or I wanted to do this. And, um, you know, you got to keep things in perspective. So that would be my biggest advice. I see a lot of producers and people, you know, they quit or they get demotivated. And usually it's rarely about the music. You know, it's about... It's a person thing, yeah. Yeah, some personal thing. And, oh, this guy, I don't like this person. Or this happened, the next happened. And I get it, but, you know... Um, yeah, just don't, keep don't, your get, focus. don't get too involved in it. Yeah, just... Uh, but, yeah, man, that's that's all of my questions. I got one last one, which is, what is uh-huh. what is the end of Underground? What is the end of underground? What does it represent? Mm. You know, to me, the end of underground, you know, I'm gonna keep some of it under wraps, you know, but to, to me, it represents um, this idea of transitioning from the underground to something else. You know, is it is there is there an end to the underground? You know, will it does it disappear when everyone that's unknown becomes known or what what emerges underneath that? You know, so it's just concept of, um, you know, what came before is, is is disappearing, but something else will replace it. Right. And to me, um, really, it, it represents that idea, and it represents the idea of that when things, when something changes, you you definitely gain a lot, but you lose a lot too. Right. That's that's gonna be that's a part of it. So you know what's been lost, what's been gained. You know those are the themes sort of of the end of underground. You know is right. it meant to happen? Is it meant to fail? Is it meant to? Does that mean anything? Is there fate? You know is there destiny or is it or is it or what is it? You know to me that's what the end of underground represents. You know all these questions and ideas and how do you present them? And so is the know, tour as such like a transition for yourself like? For the the genre and such as a yeah a tour from out of the underground um a transition from out of the underground yeah yeah to me like i think of things very visually so in my mind visually i imagine the end of underground is like the underground has been this this road that's been paved paved and you build the road and build the road the end of underground is just this huge brick wall yeah and it's like the the end and like you're breaking through it you know and to me that's that's really the the visual what I see when I, I envision it, you know, that idea of you're, you're breaking through and it's going to cost you, <laughs> you know, it's going to, it's going to cost you to break through. Yeah. It's going to cost somebody to break through, right? I could do all this stuff and it fail, but it paves the way for somebody else, you know? And so yeah, sure. I've considered that too and, and willing to do that. So well, yeah, I, that, I that's what it to me. I don't know if you're controlling the visuals right now, but literally like as you started saying about paving the way there was loads of visuals containing paving i was like he's got to be doing this <laughs> he's doing the av set right now oh yeah man yeah i i, I like to you know intersplice in things and do shit <laughs> in real time i like to multitask man, it's, this it's, is, it's, it's, this it's sort of avoidable <laughs> the whole visual side of thing is something i've really um I, I have a huge interest in it, but I guess probably because of my hardware, it's always something that I've put put to the side. Like, I've I've done this entire show from the start off of an old MacBook, which as soon as I start live streaming anything, any platform, it just Oof. absolutely falls to pieces. I'm like, mm. I need to get something powerful so I can delve into that um, the realm of of more streams and visuals and whatnot. Um, oh yeah. 
but yeah in terms of djing it's 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 been an absolute workhorse but yeah like i say as soon as stream streams involved fans kicking up things just melting oh yeah <laughs> too risky too risky yeah. i've had some close calls too i mean i've i've dropped the laptop before in the lap at the shows for for reference the video is running off the same laptop as Serato. I'm using Serato as Serato and Ableton Live. Ableton uh, Live at the same. Yeah, everything's a, running all at the same a lot time. Of software to have going at one time. I'm guessing yeah. the CPU is is heavy. And I've had situations where mid mid set. I think at San Francisco, most famously, like mid set. I think like nothing was working, so I basically had VLC right. on an extended monitor, basically, which was the projector behind me. So I have to like look behind me to make sure things things are lined up periodically, <laughs> and so I'm making I'm like mixing it in as if I'm like dancing to shit, but really I'm looking back to make sure the visuals what I think yeah. it is, and uh, the VLC crashes like mid set, just and not now everyone's like looking at my desktop background on a, on a, like a, a you know a, a thirty inch a thirty foot screen, Damn. and so I have to quickly like while mixing, I'm, I, so I'm I remember I'm, I'm I chopped up um oh. I, ch I chopped up this track from Scott Shinigami Tenshi and was slowed it down. So I'm slowed it down and I'm making it seem like me using the desktop is like part of the aesthetic. Damn, that's, that's <laughs> you know? thinking on your feet, man. That's, uh, yeah, because I'll just, if that has happened to me, I'll just start panicking and be like, shit, what do I do now? But yeah, to be able to sort of try and adapt to the situation, that's amazing. And then at one point, the projector itself like cut off because it overheated during that process when it wasn't getting a signal and VLC. So I get VLC working. I download the new version, get it working, and I have to turn the projector back on. And no one really noticed at all. But it's a, it was a lot of that type of thing going on. So, um, yeah, yeah. That's uh, amazing. <laughs> oh, man, I'm, I'm extremely excited to uh, to see how the tour goes. Um, we'll see how, if I... If I could make it over to some of the dates, that'd be amazing. Um, oh, but love yeah, to have you. Even to just um, just to view what's going on online, I'm I'm super excited to see to see where it leads, you know, and everything that comes from it. Hell yeah, and I appreciate what you're doing for the community. Quick shout outs to you, man. Uh, quick Thank shout outs you, for the, the mixes, the shows, everything you're doing, the interviews. Um, you know, good shit, definitely. Oh, much, fully much props, much respect. Really appreciate it, man. Again, going back to like the the trapping in Japan thing. I say if if that mix wasn't there, yeah, the whole the whole series, the whole channel, if that wasn't there, then potentially I'd still be mixing drum and bass and stuff. And uh, yeah, I fully appreciate you taking the time to do this. And uh, yeah, excited to see where it all goes. Of course, man. Of course. Yeah. So uh, hit me up if you need anything, and I uh, appreciate it. And yeah, great talk. Absolutely. Great talk. Yeah, it's been amazing. So, Thank you. Until next time, brother. This is the Funk Show with Teddy Color. Why you push? Now you 
lose the feelings. They want us to stop taking drugs, but ain't nobody stopping the killing.
savage, not boys in the hood, but I pull up on you, shoot your ass in the back. Screw a little hurt, you need some racks. I can feel the cheese, bitch, I got racks. I'm a real street nigga, bitch. I am not one of these niggas banging on wax. Pussy niggas blood stink, this until I pull up on them, slap them out the fight. Watch your mama house, watch your grandma house, keep shooting until somebody die. So many shots, the nigga looked at the caliber, thought it was fucking your life. You was with your friends playing Nintendo. I was playing around with that fight. Young savage, why you trapping so hard?
culture just cause they're craving the protein. They do it cause, they do it cause, they hate Americans. Play the game bro, they ain't exactly fleet of foot. I'm saying where's the challenge? I know you niggas wanna be me, but it's levels.
again today an absolute honour to be able to talk to the legend himself a massive thank you to Ryan and his team for taking part we'll be linking all the socials in the bios be sure to check out the official tour website at endofunderground.com and if you're in the States make sure you're buying tickets to your nearest show catch the show on my SoundCloud from Friday that include all the track lists in the bio. So big ups again for locking in. It's been volume 18. All my, all my friends are dead, dead, dead.